Well, hello there. Welcome to Cavalcade. I'm just trying to deliver this pizza. Cavalcade is brought to you by Harbor Repertory Theater. My name is Keith Bridges, and I want to thank you for listening. A sliver of moon shines down through the treetop canopy, blanketing the ground with a faint and eerie glow, just enough of a glow to make out fog's fingertips clinging to the windy road. A blinding light rushes around the bend. Whoosh! The fog is sent whirling as a station wagon roars past. Inside, a chant begins to brew. Over the haunted hills and through the whispering woods, Father whispers. Over the haunted hills and through the whispering woods, Mother echoes. Young children join in. Over the haunted hills and through the whispering woods, to Grandma Hollyhocks we go. The station wagon emerges from the whispering woods and silence. From a deep, dark valley glows Grandma's cottage, surrounded by acres and acres of corn, eight feet high in the air. They make their descent without uttering another word. Gravel crunches beneath the tires as they slow to a stop. The headlights turn off. The family of four, a pirate, two fairy princesses, and a superhero quietly get out. They peer around the quaint estate. Their eyes adjust to the blackness, the shadowy stalks taking form around them. A crow squawks. They whirl around. That's when they see it, something rising from the earth. A dim light appears in the shape of a tombstone. It grows brighter and brighter. The tombstone reads, Grandma Hollyhock's Corn Maze. More lights turn on, illuminating a narrow walkway through the corn stalks. The fairy princesses cautiously take to the corn maze first. The pirate, with the superhero clinging to his hip, follows behind. They navigate the maze labyrinth as a team. Three sets of eyes, always on alert, Starting this way and that way and every which way, they spill out into a small clearing. The center of the maze is lit by orange string lights. Four caskets with skeletons painted on them are upright against the corn stalks. A bowl of candy rests atop a fifth casket that lies before the family of four. Grammy, squeals the superhero. The mini princess reaches for a piece of candy. But the bowl goes flying. The casket door before them flings open. The Grim Reaper jumps up with a Sith as large as a cornstalk. The family of four scream and jump, none more so than the pirate. The Grim Reaper removes their hood to reveal Grandma. Happy Halloween, she bellows. Grandpa steps out from the corn, a grin wider than the Mississippi. The pirate swallows his pride and helps Grandma out. He says, Yar, happy Halloween indeed. Grandma Hollyhock's Corn Maze, written by Neil Patrick Peterson, performed by Tiffa Foster. Hello, 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 Internet. Welcome to Nordics Consider Movies. My name is Stenner Mildeson, and I'm here with my co-host, Mangus Ingelhoff. And we are here, like we are every fortnight, to help you make sense of the movies. 
And what better way to make sense of something than to take a look at it from the Nordic perspective? Right, Mangus? Yeah. Uh, Mangus. I said, yeah. Yep, yep, so you did. Well, this episode, we're going to focus on some of the great Halloween and horror movie classics. You like scary movies, don't you, Mangus? Not so much. Well, sure, but you've seen more than your fair share, right? Meh. All right, well, first up, we got the classic. Uh, you know, with... Wait a second. What's that name again? German fella, doctor, makes a man out of spare parts. What's the name of that doctor fella again, Mangus? Well, oh, what's his name? Yeah, it's a great movie uh, from way back again, you know, uh, black and white. Got the scary square-headed creature man, and there's the evil hunchback minion assistant. Probably not supposed to call him evil minions anymore, but you know what I mean. And that old doctor screams, it's alive, during the thunder booming they got. Remember that, Mangus? Then the flat-headed old boy gets loose and goes on a kind of rampage. And eventually the village folks come after him with the whole torches and pitchforks business. So, what is this movie really about? I think it's about the struggle in our dual natures. You know, civility and a desire to live in a society among others. Versus our desire to just do whatever we want whenever we want to. What do you think, Mangus? It's about sex. All about sex. How the heck? Where do you get that from, Mangus? Just how I see it. Okay, well, I recommend uh, this old classic for any time of year, but especially the Halloween season. It's starring What's-His-Name, and it was directed by that, uh, you know, the fella. I give it a thumbs up. Mangus? Frankenstein. Hey, that's right. That's right. Anything else to add? Okay. Our next movie is from the 70s, I think. Oh, shoot. What's that one called? It's the little girl gets all angry and spits up the pea soup. And the clergy all come in and yell at her till she's better. You you liked that one, didn't you, Mangus? Priest falls down the steps at the end. Yep, yes he does. And let me tell you something. It may not sound like it, but this is one of the scariest movies I have ever seen. Really scared her pants off me, figuratively speaking. Did it scare you, Mangus? Yeah, okay. So, I think this one is really about the human fear of reaching our full potential. The dread of failure we all struggle with every day, right, Mangus? Prince falls all the way down the stairs. Well, we wouldn't recommend it for the kids. But if you are looking for something truly scary this Halloween season, you can't get much scarier than uh, this one. Stars that young lady and that old guy that's in everything and that fellow that's never been in anything else. He's the one that fell down the steps. Yep, sure is. The Exorcist. Well, our last movie is about that sort of swarthy European type that turns into a dog. It's an older one, too, in uh, black and white, and it's famous for its special effects, which was something to see at the time. I can't recall... uh... Lon Chaney Jr. Oh, yeah, yep, that's right. But what was the title? Well, whatever it's called, it sure is something, eh, Mangus? But you know, what it's really about is our sense of self, how it gets so warped around the idea of protecting our bruised and fragile egos. I mean, it's a tragedy about the loss of identity in the modern age. And to be honest, I find it more sad than scary. What about you, Mangus? Dog boy. So, while this one may not be on the top of the list for a Halloween classic, I would recommend you see it one of these days. Directed by that English-Russian guy and stars, uh... Lon Chaney Jr. Yep. And the title of this one... Uh, sorry, just having a bit of a senior moment right now. Uh, oh well. 
That's it for this episode of Nordics Consider Movies. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, on behalf of Mangus Engelhoff and myself, Stenner Mildeson, you all enjoy a movie or two. The Wolfman. This is Tad Tundleball. I am the owner of the Existential Stress Hard Candy Warehouse. I know, I know, another ad, just what you need. But this is different. No, it isn't. But in a way, it is, because it's that time of year again. Halloween. And what says candy and existential stress more than Halloween? That's right. Tis the season for Tad Tundlebaum's Existential Stress Hard Candy Warehouse. All of our confectionery creations are handmade in-house by my very own team of anxious and uncertain craftspeople. We create hard candy that you can only imagine, the treats of your unattainable dreams and the tricks of your ever-present nightmares. I mean, where else are you going to find hard candies with flavors like new technology, your younger sister's nicer wedding, discovering your boss's salary, zipper merging in traffic, and text messages from your family. These are flavors that recall the most intense feelings of dread you can imagine. It's nothing but hard candy and anxiety here. Flavors like daily newspapers, news magazines, evening newscast, morning newscast, all-day news channels. And of course, we have our seasonal favorites, Your Friends Podcast, Cousin Becca's Social Media Feed, and Black Licorice. And right now, today, I am announcing the biggest event in the entire history of Tad Tundlebaum's Existential Stress Hard Candy Warehouse, our going out of business sale. I mean, I don't know that we're actually going out of business. But we might be, any day really. You just never know in this economy. So come on out to Tad Tundlebaum's Existential Stress Hard Candy Warehouse. You'll almost certainly be disappointed. I absolutely idolized my brother growing up. Like idolized, idolized. The peak was this one summer. I was 8 years old. He was 14 and just about to start high school. I thought he was so cool. I followed him around, trying to copy his every move. I learned his favorite color was orange, so my favorite color became orange. I learned he loved watching horror movies, so... I watched a lot of horror movies. I learned his favorite animal was the tarantula. God, was I deathly afraid of tarantulas. Oh, but I never let my brother know that. No. Yeah, we bonded quite a bit that summer. And what we bonded over most was our favorite thing in the whole wide world. Halloween. I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was an early July day, a real scorcher outside. My brother came to me and asked me if I wanted to celebrate Halloween with him. 
Of course I did. But how? According to my brother, there was only one way to celebrate Halloween right. And that was to trick or treat. And that's what we did. We waited until it was dark. Like real dark. Parents asleep dark. Once it was that dark, we put on our costume. Black shirts, black pants, and black ski masks. We were trick-or-treaters. With our costumes on, we snuck out a basement window. We ran through the neighborhood real stealthy-like until my brother found the perfect house. My brother hid behind a bush while I crept up to the front door. I rang the doorbell like a bajillion times and shouted, Trick or treat! Lights turned on, but I didn't stick around for candy. Instead, I sprinted down the street after my brother, just like he told me to. Once we were far enough away, we collapsed down on the grass. My brother laughed and laughed. So, I laughed and laughed too. After we caught our breath, we went trick-or-treating again. We trick-or-treated a dozen more times that night, and it was always the same. My brother found the perfect house, and the perfect house was always completely dark inside. I'd creep up to the door, I'd ring the doorbell a bajillion times and shout, TRICK-OR-TREAT! The house lights would always turn on. But we never waited around for candy. We were always too busy running away. We trick-or-treated a lot that summer. Weird thing is, when Halloween actually rolled around, my brother suddenly stopped being interested in trick-or-treating. I guess he was too old. I asked how come he wasn't too old to do all the trick-or-treating we did that summer. He laughed and laughed and said that was different. In the summer, the treat was the trick, whatever that meant. 20 years later, I'm still trying to figure out what he meant. That's the reason I bring it up from time to time. But every time I do, my brother flat out denies we even tricked or treated. Then I assure him we must have tricked or treated a thousand times that summer. That's when my brother usually gets all bent out of shape. He questions why I insist on constantly bringing up that story. But I don't constantly bring up the times we trick-or-treated. I bring it up just enough. I bring it up at Thanksgiving and Christmas or whenever he brings a girlfriend around for the first time. I don't know why being reminded of the times we trick-or-treated gets my brother all in his tizzy. I enjoy trick-or-treating with my brother. Trick-or-Treats by Neil Patrick Peterson Performed by Mustafa el Makawe. Okay, well, 
it all started a while ago. It was wintertime, and I was just sitting in the den after kind of a tough day. My ex-wife Lenore had passed a few months back, and I was still pretty down about it, you know. I mean, we'd been divorced for longer than we were married, but gosh, I really uh, loved her in my own way. Always did. So, like I said, feeling kind of melancholy, just trying to relax a bit. Had my sink and was getting ready to enjoy a nice, warm, soft, moist oatmeal raisin cookie. When I hear a tap at the window, which was weird. I mean, I never had anything tap at my window before. I mean, this window isn't a tap on me kind of a window. Maybe the kitchen window, but not this one. Anyway, I figured it must be the wind or something, so I turned my attention back to my Sankam oatmeal raisin cookie. Then I heard it again. It seemed even weirder this time. So I put down my cookie and my coffee and went to the window and looked out. What do you think I saw? Nothing. So I sit back down, and as soon as I reach for my cup, something taps again. Now I'm getting a little testy, so I go to the window and open it up. Still nothing there. And I say out loud, hey, who's there? I guess it was a little odd for me to stick my face through the window and talk to the empty out there. But I was really looking forward to that Sanka and cookie. So that's what I did. Hollered out into the dark air. And what do you think I hear back? Nothing. So I close the window, pull the curtain, and sit back down. But then I start thinking about Lenore again and start feeling really sad. So I'm sitting there, oatmeal raisin cookie waiting, sank it getting cold, feeling sad. Must have sat there a while. I was about to drop off to sleep in my chair when what do you think happened? Nope, not another window tap. This time it was a door knock. I know, right? And before I could even stand up, another knock. So I start talking as I make my way out of the chair and over to the door. Sorry, I think I might have nodded off there. Didn't hear your knock at first. And then another knock. This one kind of pounder and angrier. I'm coming, I said, right as I got to the door and opened her up. What was there? Nothing. Now I'm downright annoyed. Oatmeal raisin cookies dried out and hard. Sanka's room temp at best and I'm standing there in the doorway like an idiot. But as soon as I shut the door, I mean the very instant the latch clicks shut, there's another knock. So I figure someone's messing with me. I put my ear to the door to see if I can hear some kids out there or something, but I don't. I don't hear nothing. Then just a second or two later, a really loud knock, like a pounding. It was so loud it startled me. I whipped open the door, and you will never guess what happens next. A black crow, the biggest, blackest crow you ever saw, comes flying into my room and lands smack dab on top of the head of my Paul Bunyan statue. And he just sits there like he owns the place. Just sits there. And what does he do? Nothing. I was a little startled, as you might imagine. I mean, birds may not look all that big outside, but when you get them in a regular-sized room, they seem a lot bigger. So this daggone bird just sits there, staring at me for the longest time. So I've pretty much given up on enjoying my Sanka and my oatmeal raisin cookie at this point. 
And then suddenly, and I know this is going to sound crazy bing bong when I tell you, but it's true. That big black crow spoke to me. He did. I know. I know. But it gets even weirder when you hear what he said. Nothing. I mean, he said the word nothing. Not that he said nothing and that he didn't say anything. He said, in a kind of weird Englishy accent, he said the word right out loud. Nothing. I tried to shoo him back out of the front door, but he was having none of it. Best I could get out of him was a kind of angry wing flap, but no real movement. Then I tried opening the window. I even tried to lure him with milk raisin cookie, but he wouldn't budge, and I ended up dropping the cookie. So, of course, I thought I was going bonkers. But at this point, I figured, what the hell? I asked what he was doing in my room, standing on Paul Bunyan's head. You know what he said? Nothing. Yep, he said it again, right out loud. And he kept staring at me. It was getting to be so creepy that it was almost like something else was going on. And he was quiet for a long time. And I was quiet. Then it occurred to me that I had just assumed this bird was a male. So I asked, male or female? Guess what he answered? Nothing. So I just decided to assume it was a boy bird. Not sure why that seemed less creepy, but it did at the time. I didn't feel comfortable leaving the room with him in it, so we just sat there for a long time. Me and that dang bird just sitting there. At one point, I asked his name. His answer? Nothing. Never got a clear answer what he meant. Did he have no name, or was his name actually the word nothing? Either way, seems kind of odd to me. After a bit, my mind started wandering. Amazing what you can get used to in this world. And I thought about Lenore again. She always had a way with animals. I bet she could get this wad of feathers to say something. Thinking about her made me even sadder. I felt even more like something was wrong. I was getting a little frustrated. So I asked, what do you want from me? Nothing. I took a drink of cold sink and started peppering him with questions. Do you know me? Why are you here? Are you some kind of prophet? Did you know Lenore? Does she know how I feel about her? Can she ever forgive me? Are you some kind of devil? Are you ever going to leave? His answer was always nothing. And so, yeah, the bird named Nothing is still sitting in my room, still stares at me like some kind of dreaming dream of guilt and sadness, still says nothing whenever he speaks. And there I sit, watching that bird, staring at the shadows he throws around the room, wondering if there's a way to get rid of this thing that has invaded my home and my life. What can I do? Nothing.
So what is this called? I don't know. It's an old family recipe. Okay, looks good. Not like that. What? You're gonna lose a finger. I'll have you know I've been chopping carrots since I was- Ow! Oh, see, I told you. Just kidding, I'm fine. You know, I almost went to culinary school. Really? No. <laughs> You're funny. Yeah, well, chopping carrots brings out the best in me. Well, those are rutabaga, not carrots. They are? No. Ah, uh, oh, that was funny. <laughs> I am. Yeah. You are. Am I? Mm-hmm. How funny? Well, I don't want to say. Am I funny enough to stop chopping carrots? Oh, yes. Am I funny enough to skip dinner? Mm. Jump straight to dessert? Oh, well, that's a thought. Funny enough to see you naked? Oh, my. Now that's a thought. What is that? I don't know. What is it? Is it... That is a horrible sound. Oh my god. Sounds like a cat being tortured. What? Not that I know what that sounds like. I'm just saying. No, it sounds like a turtle being lit on fire and crushed. Very specific. Where is it coming from? It's your phone. No. Just check it. It can't be my phone. It's brand new. I haven't even turned it on. Well, it's coming from somewhere. Maybe it's your phone. I already checked my phone. Are you yelling at me? No, I just don't want to hear that again. Keep yelling at me and you'll never hear anything again. It sounds like wrong, bad. It stopped. Are you sure? I don't hear it. Do you? Oh, thank God. You okay now? Little baby with the big bad sound? That was just upsetting. It was upsetting to see you freak out like that. Freak out? That sound was painful. Okay, okay, yeah, it was weird. You and that phone. What is your problem with my phone? It's just weird. Why? Because my grandmother gave me a gift? She hates cell phones. But she loves me. If you say so. What is that supposed to mean? Your grandmother is creepy. That's just her way. And the last time you spoke, you had a huge fight. It wasn't that big of a deal. You said you hope she gets cancer and dies. I was upset. And then she gives you a super fancy phone? She was trying to make up for the fight. What was the fight even about? Weird old family stuff. She's weird. L let me see it. Here. Man, this is a nice one. You know, she's not really my grandmother. She's what? She was like my grandma's best, best friend forever. I think they were lovers. And she was always just around. She's been kind of angry since Gammy died. She says I didn't treat Gammy right. That's what we always argue about. That is... Oh no. It is your phone. That's not possible. Apparently it is. Well, turn it off. It, It is off. No, it's not. Here. You don't have to grab it. Clearly I do. See? Here? Messages. The screen was blank. Well, it's not now. I thought you didn't activate I it. I didn't. Oh, God. You have to stop it. I can't take that sound anymore. These messages are weird. Turn it off. Yell at me again. I'm not... Yell at me again. Stop. Just stop that sound. I'm trying to. Give me your phone. My phone? Wait. It stopped again. What? Wait, okay, okay, I'm not yelling. I just, that sound is like, it's like I'm having some kind of, I don't know, like my mind is gonna burst? It's like deja vu, your phone. What does my phone have to- What was the last text you sent me? I don't know. When was the last text you got from me? Zeus? Just send me a text. What? Okay, what do you want me to say? I don't care, just send today's date. Um, what is today's date? Oh, for Christ. Just send me the word phone. Oh, okay. Sent. Oh no. See? No. Wait. 
still scrolling up. See? It's like you sent that message weeks, maybe months ago. What are all those other messages? I don't... Just a bunch of random words. Here's a date. Taylor, what is today's date? I... I don't know. Look on your phone. It's blank. What year is it? I... How do I not know what year it is? I don't either. August 3rd, 1924? What is that? That's the text you sent me long, long, long after the text you just sent me. Let me see that. Did you just grab my phone out of my hand? What are you talking about? I don't know what you think this is, but you don't grab- Did you see this one? What? It says that, it says that the sound is a curse. What are you doing? I'm just reading. Stop Shut it. up and listen. The phone is a curse. It makes your greatest fear and your most painful memory into sound and plays it until- It's getting louder. How is that possible? What are you doing? How is this not broken? Who sent that curse message? I did. Way down here. What is this? Here's another one. What? Say something. What is it? What did you do to your grandmother? What did I do? Nothing. Tell me. I didn't do anything. Tell me. She was already sick. And it was my turn to sit with her, to watch her. And she, you know, I just forgot. And? She died. And I think Grandma Lois always blamed me a little. That's horrible. Well, she was pretty devastated. No, I mean you. You killed your grandmother. How dare you? When did she die? Why? Tell me when she died. It was August? Yes. The third? Was it? Yes, I just... I don't understand. What year? I... Tell me what year! It's not possible. Why don't I... I, I mean, how do I remember this? Tell me! 1924. That's impossible. That's like a hundred years ago. How do you know? You don't even know what year it is. I know it's 2000-something. They didn't even have cell phones back then. They barely had phone phones. What does this have to do with anything? I don't know. Give me that back. No, I, I want to see something. Taylor! Stop it. Look, here, the date again, August 3rd, 1924. And here again, August 3rd, 1924. And again, way down here. And then again, and another one, August 3rd, 1924. How have I texted you this date so many times? Taylor. Calm down, you're scaring me. I can't. I have to stop it. Do something. Shut up. Here. Well, that was a little much. It worked. No. I have to stop it. Got any bright ideas? Oh. Stop it. I'm sending you a text. What will that do? I'm telling you that I have to stop it. Are you some kind of idiot? But it will never stop. It just keeps repeating over and over again until... Wait. I see the last message. I know how. It kind of makes sense. Taylor? Taylor, what are you doing? I have to stop it. I have to stop you. Have you lost your mind? I think so, yes. S stop it! Stop it, Taylor! Taylor! Taylor, I can't... Taylor! <laughs>
I'm sorry, Suze, but I had to stop that sound. That sound? Wait, do you still hear it? It's still here, isn't it, Suze? Oh, no. No, no. One last text. It's not just you, is it? It's me, too. Myself. Too, of course. Of course. This knife should work. One good, firm slice across the throat. And I'll never have to hear that. What's this called again? I don't know. It's an old family recipe. Okay, looks good. Not like that. What? You're gonna lose a finger. Dead Girl Cell Phone by Keith Bridges. Performed by Vanessa Wash and Josh Barrett. Cavalcade is produced in the fabulous city of Plymouth, Minnesota, by Harbor Repertory Theater. Heard on this episode? Josh Barrett, Mustafa Elmeque, Tifa Foster, Neil Patrick Peterson, Vanessa Wash, and me, Keith Bridges. Visit us online at cavalcadepodcast.net and uh, do whatever you do when you visit online podcasts. Or actually, better yet, leave us a note. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Oh, and do me a favor. Find somebody who you really disagree with in the next day or so and do something nice for them. And once again, thanks for listening. <laughs>